You're gonna make it 
Sing the song of ages to the Lamb. 
part of the New Hope worship team. Make your way to this altar, please. stand to get ready to worship our God tonight. Uh, I'm just so thankful that he woke us up today and he got us here uh, and that you guys are here our fathers of honor. Uh, dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I just thank you for so much for just allowing us to wake up today, Father. Father, as we come to you and get ready to worship you, Lord, let us come empty and not with our cups full. And let us be ready to gain what you have for us today, Father. Father, cleanse our minds, cleanse our hearts so that we can receive you, Lord. Your name we pray. Amen. It's all good. Thank you, Debbie. She's helping out today, so it's all right. We're good. We're good. We're going to worship, right?
just thank you for this time of worship and praise, Lord. Father, allow us to give everything to you tonight, Lord, so that we can move forward with what you have for us, Father. Father, clear our hearts and clear our minds and let us surrender our burdens and our hurt to you tonight, Lord, so that we can gain what you have for us today, Lord Jesus. Father, I just thank you so much for this church, for the people that's in it. I just thank you just for just blessing in our lives, Lord. Just make it a way for us. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. The, the kids can go with Miss Sherry as she walks back, meet her in the lobby. Why don't you look over at your neighbor and say, I'm thankful for the blood of Jesus. Thankful for the blood of Jesus. Thankful for Tay helping me push the podium over. God is good. And all the time. All right, we got like two people that are with it. That's all right. We'll see if we can get you guys in the groove here. If you have your Bibles with you, 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5 is where we're going to begin. So glad that you guys are here with us. First Peter chapter 5, we're going to begin at verse 5. If you're there, say amen. I'm going to get you guys talking one way or another. 1 Peter chapter 5 says, Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility, for God resists the proud but he gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Lord, I just thank you for your word. I thank you for this night. I thank you for all who have gathered to hear this word. Lord, I pray that I would uh, speak only what the Spirit has spoken to me. Lord, I pray that the people would be built up and edified, Lord, and I can't do any of this without you, Lord. But with you, all things become possible, Lord. So I just pray right now that the word would go forth and it would, it would do the work that you have intended it to do tonight. So, Lord, we give you glory and we give you honor in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. The word says that God resists the proud, but grace is given to the humble. I often think when, when we talk about humility, I think about uh, the story in Luke chapter 18 that Jesus told about the two men that went into the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee and one was a tax collector. Now, if you've been in church 
any amount of time, you know, the Pharisee represented the religious elite establishment of that day. Those were the people um, who were supposed to be the holiest people. Those were the people that were looked to as sort of these guys had it all together. And then the tax collector was kind of like the worst of the worst. Like that was one of the most despised uh, people um, of that day. But, but, but they go in and, and, they, and they pray and um, there, is a, there is like a, uh, a prayer that kind of goes like this. So the Pharisee starts off and he prays and he said, Father, I just thank you that I'm not like other people. I'm not like those criminals out there, those people who do bad stuff. I thank you that I'm especially not like that guy. I fast twice a week. I pay my tithes. So Lord, I'm happy that, that I'm as awesome as I am, basically. That, I kind of added that part in, but you know, that's basically what he said. And then you have this, this guy who they said was a, a tax collector and he kind of walks in and he's just broken over his sin, you know, and he knows that, that, that he, he's, he's fallen short of, of God and he's fallen short in his life of the person he should be and said that he couldn't even raise his eyes to heaven and he just kind of goes in and he just beats on his chest and he said, you know, God have mercy on me, I'm a sinner. He, he knew that it was only God's grace and God's mercy that was going to get him into heaven and and Jesus says to all the people who were listening they said who do you think went away justified and he says that it was it was the tax collector it wasn't the religious person who who said he had it all together and then and then he says this he says those who try to exalt themselves will be humbled but it's those who are humble that will be exalted See, prideful people, they, they really don't need God. You know, they feel like they have it all together. They, they, they got it going on. So they, they, they don't really need God. They're, they're good. But humble people know that they need God. And God responds by giving them the grace that, that makes up the gap between who they should be and who, how they currently are. He, he gives grace to the humble and and this message i called it get low because you know being low seems to you know in most people's definition if you said that you know okay well this person is in a low position this person is a high position the low position seems like the place of weakness but being low is really a stronger position because it's harder to hurt somebody when they're low if anybody in here ever done any wrestling no there we go so a lot of times they'll tell you right you get low get as low as you can I remember we played uh, when I played football there was this little short dude his name was was Marlin and he was he was short but like he was thick and like he was a running back and he would run and he was already short but he would get low and it was it was hard to tackle him because he kind of had that that low center of gravity and um, a week, well, I guess two weeks ago now, um, when I went down with CRI, we were doing self-defense training. And, and part of what they did is 
um, they would say, well, what happens if somebody comes and wraps their hands around you? And so, like, if somebody comes and they kind of bear hug style you from the back, it's like, you know, you, you want to grab their hands, but simultaneously you want to try to get low because, you know, you don't want them to suplex you on your head, right? That usually doesn't feel good. And so if somebody wants to grab you, if I make myself low and get a low center of gravity, like, it's harder for them to pick me up. But if I'm higher, you know, they can pick me up and, and you know, drop me on my coconut. Don't want that. Don't want that. That would be very bad. But one of the things that the trainer kept emphasizing, and, and this guy was a character, and, and he would just, and he would walk around and he would tell us to do something, and he'd be like, wow, you guys really suck. And I'm like, wow, like, this isn't, like, too great for, like, my ego, you know? Like, if you guys get attacked, you're done. Somebody attacks you, you're, you're done. You, you, you ain't going to make it. And, 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 and he kept kind of saying things like this, and then he would, you know, he would make us do, like, we, we would have, we'd have to hit the pads, and, like, he would make us do, like, all these burpees, like, before we would hit the pads. So then you're tired. You know, and, and he's like, well, I want you to see what it is like under stress. Now you know that you suck and you're out of shape. And I'm like, all right. And then like, you know, then like when, when I was leaving, like he made sure he came up to me. He said, man, you, you did a really good job. And I'm like, couldn't tell by like your critiquing. But his point was that, you know, there, there are people out there that are evil and there's people out there that are violent and they want to hurt you and most of us aren't prepared if, if something like that would, would happen in our life. And, and, and what he's trying to accomplish in, in his kind of brutal way of, of training that that if I understand that I'm, I have a shortcoming in this area, I understand that, that, that if I'm weak at this area and that I'm vulnerable in this area, that will make me want to learn more. That'll make me want to get in better shape. That'll make me want to train better so that I can protect myself and I can protect the, the people I love. And that's kind of what humility is. Humility is, is realizing my shortcomings when it comes to being a godly man or a, or a godly woman. And, and not so that we can beat ourselves up, but, but so we can have a, a real assessment of, of who we are and where we're at. And, and then we allow, that allows God's grace, that allows the power of the Holy Spirit to, to come into our life and grow us so that we can be closer to really where we should be. And, and this is a lifelong process. Like, when you walk that aisle and you say yes to Jesus, like, that's where you start at. That's not the finish line. That's, that's where we start at because this whole thing, this whole walk is about us being conformed into the image of Jesus Christ. This whole walk is us being conformed into the character of, of, of Jesus Christ. So, I don't know, I mean, maybe you guys are a lot farther along than me, but if I take, okay, me, my character, Jesus, like, there's a pretty 
pretty large gap in between those two. Like the character of Jesus, the character of me. Like, like there's, there's, a big, there's a big gap there. But if I'm humble and realistic about myself, then the humility says that I have room to grow. But I think there's part of us in our human nature that it's, it's hard for us to admit that we need help in an area. Or, you know, it's, it's hard for us to say that, you know, I got this thing in me that's kind of like more of my old nature than my new nature. And I don't really know what to do with it. It's, it's hard for some of us just to ask for help, period, or, or to be real with one another, to say, you know, like, this is an area that I really am struggling in, especially in, in a church setting. It's, it's very hard to have that, that atmosphere where people can come and really be real about the things that they're, they're struggling with. But, but that thing that keeps us from really having a clear assessment of ourselves and where we're at it's, it's pride. That's what it is. It's pride. Being able to, not wanting to ask for help, being scared that if I share this area that I'm struggling with, that this person isn't going to like me. Like, that's all, the root of all that is pride. I mean, I could have just looked at that instructor and said, you know what, I'm good. I'm, I'm good. I'm a, I'm a tough guy. I can, I can handle myself. I'm good. Like, I know you said that, like, I suck and I'm out of shape and everything, but you know what? Where I'm from, I'm doing okay. You know? But, but what do I do at that moment? Like, when, when I have pride in myself, like, I shut down the mechanism for growth. Like, in an area that I can grow in, I, I, I shut it down. Like, pride shuts growth down. Pride gives no room for God to be able to move in your life. Anyone who is, like, bound up in addiction, until they admit that they have a problem, it is impossible to help them. You can know they have a problem. You can look at them. Every indication in their life can tell that, that they have a problem. But if they're not willing to own up and admit and say, I have a problem, like, there's not much that you can do. Even, even in a 12-step in a program, the, the first step is to admit my life has become unmanageable. That's the first place that you got to be at. I mean, I've, I've worked with a lot of people and, hey, you know, you think you might have a drinking problem. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm 50 years old. I work all day. Like, don't you think I can have a drink? I think some people can have a drink. I don't think you can have a drink. Because your drink turns into two, turns into three, turns into four. And then, you know, finally, you know, a couple DUIs later and finally sitting in a jail cell. Yeah, I think I have a problem. Well, right? Be, but because, you know, those who, those who try to have, be prideful, right, they'll be humbled. But those who are humble, who, who really know where they're at and where they struggle at, like, they'll be exalted. God gives grace to us when we're humble, but he resists the proud. Like, do you think that God is really impressed with you? Like, I, I mean, I know that, like, a lot of us in here are, are really awesome. Like, and I'm not just saying that. Like, th this is a great group of people. I love the people in our church, but, like, 
I don't like really think like that God's like looking at us like, wow, like I can't believe that he did that. Oh my gosh, like, you know, like I, I've been here 47 years. God's been here for all of eternity. Like I've ha accomplished some stuff. God like created the world and like holds it all together, created life right uh created heaven and hell all the universes like god is not impressed as a matter of fact it says that our works are like filthy rags and those of you who have been in church any period of time know what filthy rags actually means but and 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 you know and and pride pride is really it's it's demonic it's really demonic because the reason that the devil got kicked out of heaven was pride. That's why the devil wanted to raise himself up to be higher than God. I don't want to be under God. I want to be higher than God. I want to be my own God. I don't want to submit myself under God and under God's laws and under God's rules. I don't want to worship God. I want to be worshiped. I want to make the rules. I want to make my own rules. And a lot of people who don't want anything to do with the things of God it is the same way. They do not want to put themselves under God's authority. They don't want there to be any rules or, 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 or any laws. And, and like, like Satan, they want to be their own gods determining what is right and wrong for themselves. The, the first commandment of, of Satanism that was written by a guy by the name of Aleister Crawley is do what thou wilt. Do whatever you want. You, you might see rappers like Jay-Z and they'll have a shirt. Do what thou wilt. That's where he got it from. Do whatever you want, right? Jesus said sin is lawlessness. Living like there is no law, living like there is no accountability, living like there is no rules. That's pride. And it's important that we recognize pride in our life because the devil loves to feed on pride. Pride gives the devil an open door in your life. But there's a surefire way to defeat the devil. And that is through humility. It's through humility. I, I want to look at a passage of scripture that, um, that you probably have read before. And there's a very practical application. But I believe that there's a deeper spiritual meaning that we can get from this um, as well. So um, let's go to Matthew 5. Matthew 5 verse 25. We're going to go there really quickly. grab my water Matthew chapter 5 humility will, will it, it really builds a stronghold of God in your life that the devil can't penetrate Matthew 5 25 Jesus says, agree with your adversary quickly 
while you were on the way with him, lest your adversary deliver you to the judge, the judge hands you over to the officer, and you be thrown in prison. Assuredly, I say to you, you will by no means get out of there till you've paid the last penny. Now, if, if we just look at that on the surface, there's a very practical application to be made here. Like, if we have a problem with somebody else, then we should try to work it out with them, right? We should try to be reconciled with our, our brother or sister in Christ, and, and even anybody else for that matter. Like, we should, you know, if there's a problem, like, we should try to work it out before, like, it goes to court. I mean, we have, a, we have some rental property, and, you know, I always, anytime that there's a problem that comes up, I always like will sit with the person and talk with them and I and I try my best to to work situations out so they don't have to go um, into the legal route and so that's a very practical thing you know do everything you can to do to, to, to work it out because it once it gets in the courts it's like a mess you know and but there's some deeper spiritual implications that that, that I believe and I was reading after um, some very old um, writings in this passage and and I never was able to look at it like this but if in the natural right we have that natural application but but in the spiritual right it would go like this your your adversary in the spiritual realm is Satan Satan's name literally translated means adversary right he's He's our adversary. He's not really God's adversary like God just, you know, like, hey, get out of here, right? He, he's more like our adversary. And God himself is the just judge of the universe. And in the book of Revelation, it talks about Satan, and it says that he is the accuser of the brethren. That's what his name is. He's the slander. He's the accuser of the brethren. And it said that he accuses the, the children of God before the throne of God day and night. So he, he makes accusations about, or, or he did at one time, made accusations about the people of God in front of the, the throne room of God. Some, some Christians are out there doing the devil's job for him being the accuser of the brethren, accusing people, pointing fingers, and, and putting other people down. And the principle uh, behind this is that when he tries to accuse us, we don't really need to, to defend ourselves or, or try to set, put our, our self-righteousness out there. But, but, but agree that we do have shortcomings and we do fall short of the glory of God. Like, like we're in no way like to obey the devil. In no way. But if he accuses us of not being where we need to be, like we can agree because really we don't have any righteousness of our own. Right? If you, if you have a bad day and, and you let your anger flare up. Anybody had a bad day and kind of lost their temper before? Alright, amen. There's a couple people in here telling the truth and a couple people lying about it. And, um, but but you, let, you let your anger, right? It just gets to you. You thought you had it in check. 
and, and you, 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 you let your anger get the best of you, and then, and then the, here comes the devil. Ah, yeah. Supposed to be a follower of Jesus. Supposed to be saved. But there's that temper. I say, well, you know what? Maybe my temper does need some work, but the blood of Jesus cleanses me from all my sins, and by God's grace and the power of the Holy Spirit, I'm beginning to grow in patience. You, you, if, if you allow yourself to look at the opposite sex a little too long, and I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands for this one, but, but, but then the voice of the enemy comes and begins to speak to you and say, aha, look at you, still struggling with that lust. Thought you were a follower of Jesus. Thought you were a follower of Christians. And you just reply, thank you, but God has died to set me free from lust. And I'm growing day by day. And I might not be where I, sh I need to be, but I thank God that I'm not where I was. And he who started a good work is going to complete it in me. And I'm getting better and better each and every day you you get a little lazy and the devil starts speaking to you and saying look at you you lazy bum you're supposed to be a follower of Jesus and you say thank God that Jesus set me free and I am clothed in his righteousness so I don't have to earn his love because I'm already loved with a perfect love you you see how this works your humility becomes a fortress Humility says that, that, that in myself I am nothing. I have no righteousness of my own. But in Christ I have everything. I have a righteousness that is not my own. I have the Holy Spirit inside of me that is growing me into the image of Christ. And when that day comes where I got to stand before the Lord, it's not about my works or my righteousness or the things that I do right. I'm pleading the blood of Jesus Christ that covers me and cleanses me from every sin and every stain. I think about David, and it says that David was a man after God's own heart. And I think that we can all just take a little um, comfort in that because David did a lot of messed up stuff. One of the most egregious things that David did is he saw one of his general's wives outside taking a bath. I don't know if that was a common thing to go outside and take a bath. Evidently, Brian Keith told me they still do that in the Philippines. So anyway, she was, she was, out, she was outside. David saw her and, you know, he, he wanted her, and so he called for her. He ended up having sex with her. She ended up getting pregnant. Uh-oh, now he's got a problem. How does he cover this one up? So he decides that, you know, he's going to call this general back from battle and encourage him, hey, man, why don't you go spend some time with your wife? Come on, I got you some Olive Garden gift cards, and I give you a bottle of wine, and why don't you guys hang out? But this guy was such a good guy. He's like, I, you know, I don't think that that's right for me. Like, when my men are out there fighting and suffering, like, I shouldn't be back here, like, chilling with my wife, having a good time. Like, I need to be back with my men. So now David's like, all right, well, I can't entice him to be with his wife, because that way, if she got pregnant, then... 
they would just think it was his they wouldn't think it was mine so then he decides that he's going to send her husband to the front lines where he gets killed and then he ends up marrying this guy's wife and he already had a couple wives and the next thing you know there's this guy his prophet name is Nathan and he starts to tell him a little story he says you know there was a rich man and he had a bunch of had a bunch of livestock and and then there was one guy and he he only had you know he was poor and he only had one little lamb but he slept with this lamb he did everything it was like this lamb was you know kind of part of his family and the rich man was was having a guest over but he didn't want to use all the lambs that he had and he took that lamb, that one little lamb that that man had, he took all he had. And David's like, I want to know who this guy is. I'm going to kill him. And I'm going to make sure that, 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 that the, the other guy's restored fourfold. And the prophet points at him, he's like, you're the man. You're the man. You're the one who did that. You had so much. God gave you so much. Anything that you could want. And if it wasn't enough, you could have asked me and I gave you more. But instead, that was all he had and you took that from him. And David, he could have handled it a lot of different ways. I mean, we read about the kings of Israel and the way that they dealt with prophets and the things that they did. But he said, I sinned against God. I'm a sinner and he went into prayer and he went into repentance and Psalm 51 is the psalm that was written during that time and I just I'm just going to read a little bit of it I just want you to hear his heart in this he just says have mercy upon me O God according to your loving kindness according to the multitude of your tender mercies Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only, have I sinned and done this evil in your sight. That you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in, my, in sin my mother conceived me. Behold, you desire truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part you will make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me hear joy and gladness, that the bones you have broken may rejoice. Hide your face from my sins, and blot out my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God. And renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence. And do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. And uphold me by your generous spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your way. And sinners shall be converted to you. Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God. The God of my salvation... And my tongue shall sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth shall show forth your praise. For you do not desire sacrifice, or else I would give it. 
You do not delight in burnt offerings. The sacrifices of God are a broken, a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. These, O oh God, you will not despise. What made David a man after God's own heart was not because he was perfect, but because when he saw that he was wrong, he knew that there was only one way that it could be right, and that was going to be for God's grace and God's mercy. Our, our, our entrance into this family, the family of God, it comes from a place where we admit that we're sinners, that we admit that we've all fallen short of the glory of God. And you're going to continue to fall short of the glory of God, but by God's grace, you're going to grow. You're going to grow, but you got to be humble about it. You've got to have a humble heart towards other people, and you got to have a humble heart towards God. And that humility, when you display it, it'll deflect every attack of the enemy. What can anybody say about you? What can anybody say about you when, when, when you're humble, when you already admit that you're wrong? Bless you. You should have got a communion cup if you didn't stick up your hand and those good guys in the red shirt will come around and get that, uh, give you one. Our strength is in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's where our strength is. It's not in our own strength. It's not in our own goodness. It's in the blood of Jesus. The Bible says that he who knew no sin became sin so that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And as we take communion today, let's take our, our, ourselves and let's take our mind back and do this in remembrance of what Jesus did for us, knowing that you and I were never going to be good enough to be considered righteous on our own. We have no righteousness of our own. So Jesus said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to step down from heaven. Right? We, we talk about missionaries all the time, but the greatest missionary was Jesus who stepped down from a perfect place in heaven, became a man, says the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And it says that he was tempted in every way, yet was without sin. You being tempted is not sin. You committing sin is sin. <laughs> and sometimes the devil lies to us and, and because we're tempted, we feel, makes us feel dirtier, makes us, you know. But thank God for the blood of Jesus. Thank God what, what Jesus did for us. If you want to take out your wafer, this represents the body of Christ. And Jesus died not just for our salvation, but also for our 
healing. Also for our healing. So if you're dealing with any type of issue with your body, maybe it's in your mind, believe that when Jesus died on that cross, he died to set you free from all of that. He died for your healing. He died so that you could have peace, so that you could have a sound mind. Go ahead and just lift your, your wafer to heaven. Lord, I thank you that you died on that cross so that we could be healed. Your word says that by your stripes we are healed. And I just pray right now for anybody here who's suffering from any type of sickness or disease. I pray and come into agreement with them right now that as they take your body, that they would be made totally whole. In Jesus' name, go ahead and take communion. And if you want to open up your cup. In the Old Testament, they, they would bring these animals and they would sacrifice these animals and blood would be shed, but the blood of bulls and goats, it could only cover sin. If I have a tablecloth and there's a big coffee stain on it, well, I could get a wine stain or I could get blood and I could maybe cover up the coffee stain, right? I could cover the stain. But the blood of Jesus takes it away. <laughs> takes your sin away. Takes it away. They call it the great exchange, right? Our, our sinfulness for his righteousness. Our shame and, and our guilt for his peace. That's what the blood of Jesus will do for us. Thank you for the blood. Thank you that our peace and our righteousness and our deliverance are found in the blood. Go ahead and take the cup. Lord, I thank you for the new covenant. Lord, I thank you for all that you've done for us. Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters in Christ, Lord, that you would keep them from temptation and that you would shield them from any attack of the enemy. Lord, I thank you that you are building a strong people, that you are building a mighty people, Lord, that you are increasing your people and you are increasing us, that the good work that you started in us, you will take to completion, that we are a people that is moving from faith to faith, to glory to glory, from victory to victory, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Uh, before we close, if I could have the ushers come forward, please. We're going to just take tonight's offering. That'll be the final thing that we're going to do today. You know, back in the old covenant, the people were, you know, they were mostly, they were, they were farmers. It was more of an agricultural society. And in the book of Leviticus, it would tell them that when you harvest the land, like, don't harvest the corners. Like, like leave, leave some corners up for the poor people and, and for the stranger. 
I am the Lord your God. Like, we were always told, like, like they were, they were told, like, don't eat everything that you have. Like, God has a portion. Like, leave that. Then if somebody is poor and they don't have enough, they can come out to the field and they can get a little bit from that corner. Or if somebody wanders in and they don't have anything to eat, they can go in the field and there's a little bit left for them. And they would know that it was a blessing of God. Might have not made much business sense. I mean, they planted from corner to corner in a square. But God wanted them to leave the corners because God was teaching them to always leave room. Always leave some extra so that for the next person that they can be blessed. And the things that God blesses us with, it's not just for us to keep. It's so that we can take care of other people. It's so that we can make sure that other people hear the gospel. It's so that we can make sure that, that, that people are getting set free and people are getting helped. And so that's the reason. And that's why we give. We give because we say, Lord, I'm not just going to eat my seed. I'm not going to eat everything I have. I'm always going to take a portion and give it back to you so that people can be taken care of, so that more people can get saved, more people can get healed, they can hear the word of God, more, more homes can be built, all that stuff. So Lord, I just thank you for your provision in our life, Lord, and I thank you that you give us enough, not just, you, you give us more than enough that we can be taken care of and also that we can pay it forward and take care of other people. And I'm thankful for those who give and, and sowed in a church plant called New Hope Christian Fellowship so that I could be saved. And I'm so thankful for all the people week in and week out that get saved. I'm thankful for the bridge, our, our, our men's recovery home. I'm, for, I'm thankful for Clever Little Fox Preschool. Lord, I'm thank you for New Hope's Haven Maternity Home. I'm thankful for our youth group and our Bible study and our recovery group. Lord, and all the things that you're going to continue to do and our partner ministries and all the things that you're going to continue to do through us and with us. So, Lord, I just pray that you would just bless uh, this offering tonight, Lord, that everyone who gives, Lord, that you would multiply that seed back to them so that they would have even, even more to give, Lord, and that everything that, that, that we need for this church to repair our building, to do the outreaches, to raise up the people, Lord, I, I pray that that would all come in abundance in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And as the ushers go around, I think they're going to lead us in another worship song or two. Feel free to stay as long as you want. These altars are available for prayer. But God bless you. Thanks for coming out. I'll see you on Sunday.
last up today, Lord. We take it out to the kingdom and we use it, Father. Let us be humble. Let us be humble, Lord. Let us realize without you we're nothing. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen.